This episode is sponsored by a patron of the Met Orchestra Musicians. Since the shuttering of the Metropolitan Opera in New York for public health concerns, Met Orchestra Musicians has remained committed to connecting its global audience through music. They firmly believe that music and art offer solace, inspiration, and an affirmation of our humanity. Visit metorchestramusicians.org to offer support. this episode, we have Lenora Luisa Cavilli. Lenora was born and raised in the Philippines, the daughter of a government official. She began her professional career aiding in her family business. Her life was altered when she was studying at university as she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. She derived a lot of strength and developed a sense of purpose from an inward spiritual journey that helped her beat it. She now devotes her energy towards a fashion brand that celebrates indigenous Filipino design, aptly named Philip Ina a company inspired by her when she was at her lowest point battling cancer. She travels throughout the Philippines to work with indigenous artisans to create the products she brings to a worldwide clientele. Lenora, thank you so much for being on our show. You're most welcome, and thank you. It's my honor to be here and um, to share my story. And it's a very inspirational story, so I'm uh, very excited to be able to uh, to share it with people. Um, to begin with, you were born in uh, Iligan City. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, yes. Okay. And then that's in the, uh, it's in uh, Mindanao. Yes, it is. It's a small industrial town. Has, has your family been there for a few generations or? Yes, about probably, I would probably be the third generation who, oh, okay. who grew up there. Um, now I'm in Manila though. This is oh, my home base. okay. Yes. Now your home base has moved to uh, to Manila. Okay. Um, and, and growing up, um, you were exposed to your family's business, which was on the retail side. And I understand they were they brought the uh, the Coleman line of products, among other things, to uh, to the Philippines. Yes. Um, well, it was actually another friend who brought it in, so we did the the, the distribution, the retail side. Um, so that was what I ended up doing soon after college. It was very far from what I had taken up, but that was the opportunity that was given at that point. So I took it and yes, it was, it was actually good to, um, I always thought that it's good to strike, you know, work for someone else uh, after college to kind of like have some sort of like discipline, but I think in my case, I'm, I'm, you look back and see that it was meant to be. I, I, I needed to learn things on my own and not, not in the way that, you know, that was like imposed on me. It was like a longer process though. Sure. Um, but I think in terms of my personality, I think it was well suited that I learned it on my own. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you talked about growing up and how your ambitions were very family oriented. Start a family, <laughs> have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, you enjoyed dance while growing up and you really soaked up a lot of the cultural diversity of the Philippines. Are there some experiences that stand out in your mind from your childhood? You know, I uh, love for Philippine culture was really um, 
inculcated very early on uh, in my life and of course with my siblings. I think what was most distinct was that at a very young age, I, I, I started wearing the traditional garments. So my mom would get extra upholstery fabric and just make our, you know, the barataya. That was like the, the casual wear um, for Filipinos. And most of our, most of our uh, special occasions, we, we, we would wear the, whether it was a terno or a barataya, but family photos. So I think that was really um, what I remember most from, from my childhood, as well as meeting all sorts of people. My father was in government, and so we constantly had visitors. And, and it's that exposure to different, different um, indigenous groups or even um, different uh, people, whether it was um, an ambassador or um, you know, someone, a constituent or you know, it was it was it was really an amazing. I, I felt I I it was such a privilege to have grown up in a small town. Yet, yet we were we had a lot of exposure. My my just a side story. My brother ended up having a, his photograph taken with Charles Lindbergh, who my mom bumped oh. into. Yeah, it was like. You know, you, you're in a small town. You wouldn't expect these things to happen. My mother was um, in a market and bumped into a friend and saw that, that um, I, what was his name? Uh, it wasn't Pelaez, but um, it was someone that he, my mother and my father knew. And they were with this tall American guy. And my, my mother, who's a wide reader, recognized him and 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 invited them over to the house and it turns out that the, my, my father was the mayor of the town that, back then and so um they went to the house and luckily for my brother had his photo taken with, with charles lee Lindbergh. and it's all these very um interesting experiences that that i feel has molded me into into um, who I am now. Uh, you know, uh, even meeting the Maranaos, they're an indigenous group. Uh, the image that I have of them, I have this retentive memory of images and moments all throughout my childhood. And you know, um, and as I travel, uh, and they really have a profound impact on me as a person. And then it resonates on my desires. No, that makes complete sense. Wow. Um, and thank you for sharing that, Lenora. Um, you mentioned your siblings. Um, how many siblings do you have? I have three other sisters and a brother. I'm the youngest of five. Oh, okay. All right. So you're the baby in the family. I am, yeah. <laughs> now, um, when you studied at the University of the Philippines, um, what did you study there? I uh, ended up taking clothing technology. It's a fashion course. Uh, I actually wanted to be a, an architect or an engineer um, okay. and was leaning more towards engineering. Um, and I had gotten accepted into this private university um, 
I think it was, uh, what was it? it was management engineering. I so wanted to pick it up, but I was embarrassed that, you know, it was, it was quite expensive and, and I was embarrassed to be imposing that on my parents. So I ended up going to the state university where it was state funded. And I, at that point, um, I, I couldn't, you know, I think sometimes in life you, you want something so much, but at the same time, there's that fear of, of, of failing because you like it so much. You're, you're so careful in pursuing it because, because of, um, yeah, if you don't succeed, then I, 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 I'd be heartbroken, but, but with with the state university i end up for some reason my my sister told me about the fashion course and i thought okay um uh, it was suggested okay i'll write it down and so i ended up picking it and lo and behold i did use it <laughs> yeah no absolutely well and so once you graduated you worked in the family business that we talked about yes. and then um from there, you enrolled in your master's program at yes. uh, the Asian Institute of Management. Yes. And um, that's where you had your life-altering event. Yes, uh, it came unexpectedly, of course. And um, it was, the way it, it was revealed to me, it was always in like stages, so it wasn't, you know, the, the doctor told me, don't worry, it's the friendliest type of cancer. I was like, oh, great. And <laughs> um, at least it's the friendliest. And, uh, but what, what was confusing after that was, and that I think it was, um, it was like this long drawn out process because the cancer basically stayed with me for like 13 years. And yeah. I, joke about it that yeah it was really friendly like kind of <laughs> like me and wanted to like stay i wouldn't let you go exactly um so it was um it was every six months i was in and out the hospital going for um, radioactive treatment until i had practically i had consumed my whole lifetime supply of yeah. Of the, the radioactive treatment. iodine I read yeah. that. that's yeah. really so, unbelievable yeah and so I've I, you become radioactive to other people it was kind of like yeah um, surreal oh. uh, so uh, that that went on and but at the same time you know I thought that was the lowest point in my life but I think in life you know things just get compounded and then and then you realize that there's even like a much lower point. Lower point than that. And I think, yeah, and I think, I think cancer sort of triggered my 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 outlook into more of like inward. Like I began to focus on me, like what I was going through, and and when you start doing that, all these other things just start. Um, coming in and and then you realize that that it just added and added the more you look at yourself the more you look at your your situation situation it just it just goes deeper and deeper because you keep on looking at at yourself and i think that's what happened to me i 
I, because of cancer, I started just like looking and looking, looking inward. I, I, I did not look beyond my situation. Mm. And, and, and all these things just started, um, I started messing up. So it was whether it was like relationships or, you know, um, like financial or, or, or emotional, or even like in terms of like career, I, I, it, it was like, in a way, like, uh, I was, it was snowballing into something. And I remember, um, um, I was at a lowest, the lowest point of my life. I was like on the, 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 the bathroom floor. It was the only place where I could close and be, have privacy. And I was on the floor and I was just really like crying out. And, and thankfully at that point, all throughout one, one thing I'm thankful for cancer, I think my faith in God just really became very real and it became very real and it became very personal. Yes, and I think at that point when I was on the floor crying and I was crying out to God and I was praying, I really felt like God was like telling me to get up and, and you know, that we were going to do it together. And, and that was the first time that my, my, my focus shifted from myself to someone that was beyond me. Oh, and that was, that was, that was life changing for me because yeah. then my whole, my whole perspective shifted sure. and I placed it on a God that was personal and very real. Wow. And that was about four years after you were diagnosed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, you've talked about how that moment um, compelled you to find purpose. And as you were going through this state, um, fashion kept coming up. Yes. Somehow when I pray, it's always like a word, a name or a word that comes up. And I, I, I was, again, like engineering fashion was, had, I, I had realized it was something very quite special for me and and yet I was I was afraid to get into it I remember going to dinner in New York and got disillusioned with the fashion industry because the the conversation was so competitive and I was like sitting there and I thought oh I can't I'm not built for that kind of 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 um, like environment and so as I was praying and it was fashion that would always come up at one point, I, I surrendered and said, you know, okay, it's going to be fashion, but it really has to be a special kind of fashion. And, and um, lo and behold, it was, you know, it was during a trip that I got, it was that I got a eureka moment. Yeah, yeah. So you really resisted it. You didn't want to go into that. And does that... Yeah. Does that tie into what you were sharing earlier about this yes. kind of fear of failing at it because yes. it's so close to you? Yes, yes. Because if it's something really close, you know, you'll um, you'll have to um, give up so many things. You'll give up. You, it it there's when you. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you when you love someone or you when you love something, you you um, it will come at a cost. Yeah. And, and, and 
it's always outward. Love is always outward. It's never like for yourself. It's always for something else, for someone else. And it will always have to like cost you something. And I think at that point, I was not mature enough to kind of process it that, um, you know, that's fine. If, if, you, uh, if you fail, you pick up. I, I learned that later on, that, that pain is for a purpose. Defeat is for a purpose. Anything negative is for a purpose. <laughs> and and do you feel, Lenora, that those that purpose is to teach us something? Oh yes, definitely. Um, um, you know, um, purpose is always outwards, um, and it's always as very. I I find it very like um, it works together with like love. It's it's there's 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 always a there's always a reason and there's always um it's always towards something else beyond us and once we realize that i think the story just manifests in in so many ways but if we make it very in a way like self-centered the story is like stagnant because it's how, how can it how can it create other stories when you're when you're controlling it for yourself so i i think that's the beauty of purpose because it's always outward and when it's outward it just plants all these um you know seeds to to bloom into all these different stories that that really in the end you're you're fed with with so much because wow. of because of how how you like given out it, it really just like comes back to you um, so well said mm -hmm. yeah thank you for saying it that way yeah. um just as a, a technical matter um in, in managing your thyroid cancer were your treatments radiation and chemotherapy or did you have to go through any surgery um yes i took i i i had a surgery and then soon after that i had every six months i had to go for radioactive um, iodine and and um, chemo was not uh, on the deck because um, mine was thyroid so for thyroid it's really the only treatment that you can have is the radioactive okay. and so um, it wasn't bad you know I, I mean you're isolated for a week oh. and you have your room has this smaller window you have thick walls <laughs> and everything that goes into your room stays in your room it can't leave because it's radioactive but um i can't i can't complain i think i think once and i think it's that perspective uh, even as a child you 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 always look at the brighter side and even when i was you know in this small well it wasn't really small uh it was mm -hmm. like you know this room wherein no one could visit you um you had a small window and um it's it's you still you still think that oh this is not so bad when you have that perspective then it really gets easier i think i think i i find myself that even like with this covid you know for the my mindset now is okay it's going to be difficult the next 18 months then it actually gets easier because you've just accepted things you know and i think it's the resistance to 
accept things that makes it even harder. Yeah. But once you accept reality, that uh, what can you do? That's the reality. We're all facing this, and you know, it's it's on a global scale. There's some comfort to that that I'm not alone going through this. Everyone's going uh, yeah. going through this. So I think it's 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 accept. Yeah, acceptance is for me such a big thing in life. And I think going through cancer, I accepted it. You know, when the first time I was given the diagnosis, I remember my my cousin, who was my doctor, um, kind of like said, you know, um, there's the good news, there's the bad news. And I said, okay, um, give me the bad news. And she said, oh, you have a hard time giving birth or, you know, I was like, because she knew I loved children. And I, and I actually started crying. And then, and then she said, the good news is it's the friendliest type of cancer. I think I cried more yeah, exactly. because of like not that, that fact that, oh no, there's a chance that I might not be able to have kids. And, and, and the cancer became like almost, okay, okay, it's cancer. Okay, I accept it. But it was... It was accepting other things, but you know, it took the a while. The consequences of it, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was kind of hard to accept, but eventually you do accept it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and I have to say, Lenora, you've shown such tremendous strength uh, through this. Not everybody approaches it the way you have, and so it's really commendable and, and exceptionally inspiring. Uh, I just want to be sure that I that I mentioned that um, this purpose that that you found during the process really compelled you through to the the next stage of your life and um, by the way were, were your treatments in the Philippines yes yes okay. I did go to the US um, because the doctors here were um, maybe like halfway to eight years after the doctors were worried that it, it just kept on, like, it wasn't, like, it was really friendly. That it wasn't, and they were like, how can that be? Like, it's supposed to be friendly, and after a few treatments, it's supposed to be gone. And so um, there was one trip that I took to the U.S., and I consulted with doctors there for another operation just to remove whatever was left behind. Sure. And even the doctors in the U.S. didn't want to open me up. So yeah. I, was, I, I was resigned to the fact that, I had to lift it up to God and say, okay, you know what? In the end, what can I do? This is yeah. where I'm at. And uh, no more treatments to take. I used it up. And, you know, you kind of, you, you, I started looking for ways where I could control um, the outcome. And it was, you know, you, you, I became very strict with having eight hours of sleep. I became oh. like, Sure. Yeah, I, I broke it down to things that I could control, yeah, and I felt like smart. If I stay away from sweets. I'm, I'm starving the cancer cells, and it was so empowering in my head. I was like, "What else can I do? Okay, eat healthy, and 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 you know, it it was it was very. Um, I felt the power shifted from the cancer to me, and again, it was like, a, yeah. Wow. Lenora, that's a very powerful statement that you just said. Mm -hmm. The power shifted from the cancer to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really potent. Wow. Um, 
extraordinary that uh, you went through all that, you lived through that, and, and your your attitude and your orientation around self-care is so impressive. Uh, it was absolutely the, just the right way to, to, to approach it. Um, let's chat about this uh, meeting with uh, John Robshaw in 2007 and how that impacted uh, your trajectory. Yes, uh, I, I had at that point, um, I had, there was a time when I got out of the family business and I was really just sort of like um, searching. That, that could have been around like five years. Okay. And I think that came at that point when um, um, I actually had gone back to the family business and, and it's really amazing. I, I look back and see God's hand in everything. You know, you, you go back to the family business thinking that that's the way to go. And then I was being, I thought God was like shifting me back. Now, no, 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 that's not where you're supposed to be. And I was not supposed to, um, I was not supposed to be on that trip because um, my, I think it was my aunt, that, my mother and my aunt that was supposed to go with my dad and something happened and my mom still went, but there had to be someone to um, bring my dad to the U.S. to visit my sister. And so, of course, I volunteered and so <laughs> I tagged along and I said, but um, once I, once we're in Texas, can I just you know, take a quick trip to New York just for a week. I love, I had spent like six months in New York the year prior to that. And oh, so wow. I was always like looking for a way to go back to New York. <laughs> and and um, I, I rem and of course my father said, okay, you, you can go to New York for one week. And that's where I met um, John. And my, my friend Julia was going for a meeting with him and I, I tagged along and um, I think some things are, you meet people for a reason. And, and I remember going into, into his showroom and just blown away with, with the textiles and um, with his work. And, and while they were having a meeting, I went to a little corner and started going through his books. And, and I noticed he would encircle all these different um, it was a book on Asia and he would encircle all these different groups and he would write a particular skill that they had. And I remember just sitting there and telling myself, this is what I want to do, but wow. with the context of the Philippines. And I little did I know what, what that decision that I made in that studio in New York, um, how it would the stories that would that would stem out of that decision, yeah. yeah. The um, I mean, it must have felt very spiritual that epiphany. Uh, I mean, I, there are many metaphors we can go to, like lightning striking, or kind yeah. of yeah. that emanates from, but. I think we, you know, uh, those of us who experience enough life can understand the sensation that we feel. And so that, that must have been on that scale. You must have known that this will change my life. 
I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I actually didn't. I think I'm so, um, I, I just, I think what I was feeling then was like, I was excited. Okay. I think I was hopeful and I was looking forward, but I didn't, I didn't have like an image of, of like, it was going to be life changing. And I think that's how I always um, approach life. Mm. I really approach it um, day by day, you know? Okay. I, don't, I don't make, my dad would always say, oh, that's such a sweeping statement. And, <laughs> I, I, and, and, and he was always against me making sweeping statements. Not that I was fond of it, but actually he was saying it more for like politicians like politicians have a tendency sure, to make yes, statements and and so um as i would listen to him like be like crit criticizing why it's not good to have sweeping statements because if if you if you create like a sweeping statement over like just for example oh this is going to be life-changing i sort of like feel it puts pressure on you that oh my gosh this thing has to be like life changing what must I do because this is meant to be life changing so I really um, learned to just focus on what was on my plate and I felt my faith was really teaching me that that God will not reveal the the next He will only reveal up to a certain point to keep you to take that next step, but he won't give you the whole story because then you start manipulating because you're supposed to go there. But I think it's really the trust in, I, I, I really began to just trust God that he was going to write the story for me. And he's just telling me to focus on what's on my plate. And that became very simple and that became very doable. and. And so you just focus on what's on your plate and you're like, okay, what's on my plate? It's my family, it's my friends, it's my, it's my work. And okay, I'm just supposed to take care of that. And, and then, then I think going back to that moment, I think, I think that was my feeling was I was excited. I was like, I was, I was raring to do something. And I think that was, I had just decided that that was what I was going to do. So it had just officially entered my plate. And I was like, oh my gosh, what, what should I do? What should my first step be? But of course, I was in New York. And I was in the city that I loved. And so it's like, wow. But it, the seed had been planted, you know? And, and it had started to grow. And it really like started to spread at the right time, looking back, it was just, it's, and, and I think that's what, um, that's what um, stories in life should be. You know, it's not something that you, you, um, you, you say ahead of time, but you, you just let it like reveal, you know, one day at a time. And then it's only on hindsight that you can say, Oh, that was like a great, that was a great, that's a great journey. You know, that's, right. uh, it's only, I, I feel it's only on hindsight that you can, you can 
you can say what it is, but that's not a great point. Forward. Yeah. Uh, I understand forward. exactly what you mean. Yeah. At the moment, we don't necessarily know what the implications will be. Exactly. Yeah. Fact, yeah. yeah. But um, that experience led you to start your company a year later. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, that I went home and I started working with artisans. Um, I was so scared to go into fashion, so I did a home line with my siblings, and we called it Tumahogany Road. It was our address in, in the province um, where we grew up. And, um, and then my sister had to move to Hong Kong, and I was left behind, and I thought, ah, I think I need to have, um, I, need, I think working with artisans, this has to manifest in fashion because I, Mm. I do my passion and it would be great if I could, you know, work with artisans and create passion and, and um, little did I know that a year after my mother was going to have this trip down south and I tagged along with five pieces of clothing with embroidery thread and um, with a book on hand and I went to visit all these weavers, the dream weavers of Lake Cebu and I just when I was about to go back to meet my mother in the city, I went to a cooperative and I was asking around, is there anyone who can, who can embroider for me? And there was this one lady, Evelyn, and up to now we're still working together. She said, I can do it. And I remember handing to her the five garments and I said, do whatever you want to do with it. And, 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 that was that was the start. That was oh my um, goodness. Yeah, thankfully, I had, you know, I I became although I grew up in Mindanao, I was not very familiar with uh, with the other groups around the Philippines. The Philippines is our archipelago, seven thousand one hundred seven mm. islands. So it 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 really created. It was a uh, it naturally um, bred. Um, the 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 diversity of the culture and i danced for um Bionian philippine national folk dance company and that really opened up my my knowledge uh, dancing was a great way to learn about one's culture and it opened up my eyes to the rest of the country so having that background when i started working with artisans it's all these images that as, as i've said all these images of all the traditional garments that i used to wear when i was dancing i'm like oh my gosh there's that group there's that group they do this embroidery they do this beadwork they do this weaving so it was i had like this yeah i there, there were too many that that yeah for me to like handle but i was like just so excited to start working with one group, the Pibwali Index Nice. Um, has dance been a lifelong passion for you? Have you kept up with it? Um, folk, folk dance, I haven't done it in, in a while. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I took up ballet as a child. I do like dancing, whether it's, you know, it's, it's ballroom dancing or like cha-cha boogie. I just yeah, I, it was funny because last year I made a resolve to have more music and dance in my life. And um, through trips, I went to Mexico and um, one Sunday there was like a 
and dance out in the, the plaza and I ended up dancing and uh, another trip to China. There were some, you know, ladies at the end of the day, they have they, their form of exercise is dance. And so I ended up joining them for a dance. So I, I tried to sneak it in or even in just, just in my bathroom. I love <laughs> well, dancing in the bathroom is better than crying on the floor of the bathroom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> we would rather have you dancing, Lenora. Now, um, the artisans that you contract with, that you work with, are doing very elaborate pieces. And I just, uh, I'm so impressed and moved by the fact that they're all handmade. Um, and they can take three to four months to make. Yes, um, they, you know, they, they work from the confines of their homes. So imagine each artisan just picking up their work from like a central place and they're able to work from home. So it takes that long because there are, when you're home, yeah. You you have your kids. You have to cook. You have to sometimes help your your husband uh, farm. So there's a lot. But I appreciate it because there's like a balance. There they you know they have a healthy balance in life. Uh, that's what I always remind myself when I go visit them. I'm like, see, their life is so balanced. Like you 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 work too much. You need to balance life. And yeah, and I think that's I think that's part of the reason why it takes long. There's that aspect of, of, of them having to do other things, but at the same time, it is the work of the hands. So it does take time. Yeah, no, again, it's, it's really impressive. And you've built the organization to be so expansive. You're working with 22 different indigenous groups and uh, 400 artisans at least this is the information i was able to research it might be different now um so yeah, yeah. share I with think us sometimes i stay away from numbers because <laughs> the world's way is always like numbers impress them with numbers and numbers and but numbers have this have this negative effect on me in a sense that it 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 puts pressure the numbers Oh, the pressure I me. So probably it's not at 400. It could be a little more. It could sure. be, but I, I, you, you just don't, I just don't count. Oh, I understand. Because for me, I want to see the faces. I want to see the, yeah. So, um, well, and you yeah. travel a lot. You're continuously yes. visiting with the artisans. So yes. they're seeing you regularly. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I think I that's a beautiful this. thing that you're doing. Yeah. That's, that's very much fulfilling thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and because, you know, you are the holder of the creative vision for the company. And so for them to see you and for you to continue to evoke that, I think is so critical for um, what you're trying to achieve. So I really uh, applaud that. That's really fantastic. Um, and and I, I didn't, I apologize, I didn't mean to like throw numbers out, but I, it was really impressive to me was the 22 indigenous groups because I did, I had no appreciation for the cultural diversity of the Philippines until I read that. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it, it's a similar phenomenon for the country that 
I'm my my origin is uh, I was actually I was born in Germany, but to parents of Indian origin, and so in India um, there's a feeling like well we're all kind of the same, but my God we have so many different languages, so many different groups, and um, for me to talk to somebody from South India, I have to, we have to use English, yeah, because my language is Hindi, their language is Tamil, and their script mm -hmm. is completely different. We, we don't even write with the same letters. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, it's given me a newfound appreciation. And um, yeah. so, uh, I just, I, I really love how embracing you are of all the cultures. And it just feels like the, what compelled you to do that was this really horrible medical situation you went through, but also your love of dance. And, and so that, that kind of like medical situation pushed you to embrace what you really loved. And you had so much joy from, from dance at a young age that the, the fashion company became the way to manifest that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have I captured it well? I mean, if, if it's yes. wrong, please correct yeah. me. <laughs> no, no, it, it is true. Um, Thanks for pointing it out. It was it was really, um, you know, you. I'm not sure if I would have the 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 grasp of of the diversity of of the culture of the Philippines would have been that deep if if I had not gone into dancing. Mm. You know, I I did grow up grew up. I mean, my my parents taught taught us love for country and, but. But you know that's 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 my parents giving it to me. Dancing was was um, intentional on my part. Nice. It was it was my although it was encouraged by my mother. It was in the end, it was my choice. It was my decision to to, yeah. to go it into dancing. Came and, from from your heart. Yeah. To, uh, to pursue and it. I always say, you know, culture is our fingerprint. It yeah. really is what what makes us distinct from other countries it, it's it's our identity and it's it's something that we really should know about um I, we talk about you know indigenous groups there's still a lot in the philippines that that needs to be brought out into the open and celebrated for who they are and i think when i started um filipina i didn't want an eponymous line i didn't want something that would be named after myself or point to me because there was a purpose why i'm doing it i i knew that it had to point back to the philippines so i ended up i remember when i was thinking of of what to call it i thought okay let's start with who i am i'm filipina and then i kind of got stuck there and you know <laughs> consulted my sister and we yeah and then we ended up with filipino and i thought it's um, it's having such a name also comes comes with it a big responsibility because you're yeah I get that you're right. representing yeah. you know you're representing the country and so we really have to make sure that what we make um, uh, gives honor and 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 um, gives honor to to the people in the past who have come up with such excellent craftsmanship and yeah. 
really, you know, going back to that level of craftsmanship and, and, and giving them the tribute that thank you, you know, thank you for, for nurturing that culture. It's our responsibility now to, to do what we can to, to still have that beauty and that, that, that culture intact and celebrated. Well, absolutely. And you do a phenomenal job with it. And I read how you you made the comment that working with artisans is not a transaction, it's a covenant. Yes. yes. Um, and you know, it, 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 um, when you think of it that way, you both have the mindset of making it work. Yeah. Really, and you know, you, you there will be challenges. I think when you l- look at life, whether it's relationships um, or like people that you work with, I think it's very important to have that both parties have that mindset. Um, like in a way, I have a long distance relationship with the, with the artisans, right? Um, we 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 just we communicate by phone i visit them like once what twice a year but i think what really made it work was that it wasn't you know the transaction transaction okay once it's done you forget about them we're constantly aware of each other every day they can text me every day they can text me about anything i can text them and share with them oh you know that embroidery could have been better and they're like, oh, okay, um, can you just make sure that there's a photo? Just so, you know, then we find ways, both parties find ways to make it work. And I think that's very important um, in this day and age that we don't easily let go just because it's hard and just because it's difficult. I think we need to look at life that there will be hard times, that there will be difficult times, but it actually produces this aroma that makes a beautiful story, a beautiful relationship. And, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't think of relationship, it should be easy. It should be, you know, it should be, it should be like this. It should be pain-free. It should be, but we're all people. We all have different personalities that will come in. But I think it's more of like making that decision that, hey, okay, we're doing this together. Why don't we really find a way to make it work? And you, you navigate. I mean, I think working with artisans, I've had, we've had, the team, the team um, Filipina has had to like adjust to how they do things. And we work with different indigenous groups. They do things differently. So it was always, a, it was a great, you know, um, it was a great training to just like adjust, adjust, but you make it work when you adjust, you, 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 you meet halfway. And there are times when you have to give 80%, the other party has to give 20, but there are times when you, you, you give 20 and the other party gives 80. So I think it's this really organic, beautiful relationship that we have with, with, with the artisans. And I think, um, that's why also they're very gifted. They're, they're so talented. They're so amazing. And we, I, I remember there was one trip, John Robshaw had, had, had came for a visit, come to, yeah. come to the Philippines for a visit. And I took him to Lake Cebu. And at that point, um, one group 
So I was working with 25 artisans. From five, they had jumped to 25. And I did know that they started inviting their, you know, sisters, their mothers, their like, neighbors, and then they grew. So um, when I said that, oh, I'm, I'm coming over and I have a visitor, um, and so they prepared like this program and we were in this hot, traditional hut. And, um, you know, when you come to the Philippines, and I'm sure, it, I think it's a very Asian thing. There's like songs and dances, right? Yes, so there's right. a program and then songs <laughs> and dances. And right. then at some point they were, they started to give um, like speeches. And, and then suddenly John just like leaned over and said, why is everyone crying? And then <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, they are crying. I was so concentrated on the speaker that I didn't notice the other ladies crying. And I looked around and I was like, I'll explain later. <laughs> and the lady that was speaking was saying that they really appreciated the, the work. They, you know, that they used to farm, but a storm, a typhoon could just come and wipe out their crop. And when they see a garment, they know what they'll be getting at the end of it you know um and i remember i always have these moments when i make a statement for myself only like i it was a, it wasn't something that i i shared with with john or with uh with the ladies but i i there comes a point in life when you just resolve things mm -hmm. and i remember telling myself i'm going to do whatever i can to make this work yeah. Wow. And little did I know how that statement would translate in my life. I've had to have, you know, personal sacrifices. I, I would have wanted to be married. I would have wanted to have kids or, you know, but you, you, you don't realize something that, that, well, maybe it could still happen. I don't know. That's true. So um, just going back, I think that was a turning point because at that, before that, it was all about me. It was all, bit, all about, oh, I want to work with artisans. Oh, I want to create this brand that points back to the Philippines. But to hear them and see them crying, they still cry. Like when I visit, they still cry. Um, and it's, 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 it's really a sweet thing because it's, I cry too, because I think it's all these, the journey that we're going through, mm -hmm. it's just filled with all these beautiful moments, hard parts and beautiful moments combined just make a beautiful tapestry. But going back, it was about me, but at that point when I listened to them, it really shifted. Nice. It shifted to, oh my gosh, I'm answerable to these people. It yeah. became about them. It became, yeah, in, in a way reliant, looking to you. Yeah. You know, to, there's a responsibility there that, that, that comes with that. Well, and... Um, Speaking of which, um, can you share with us about your experience? And forgive me if I mispronounce it. In uh, is it Palawan? Yes, Palawan. Uh, yeah, no, no, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, there was, you know, I I think it was all throughout the twelve years with Filipina. I, I felt like that was a low point, and um, we we were um, criticized for cultural appropriation. It was 
you know, combining a traditional pop with something modern. And so um, it, it, there was a lot of talk going on at that time. And it was a very difficult, 2016 was a difficult, difficult year for me. And to, to, to deal with that was, um, you know, I had, with social media, everyone um, has something to say, but I really had to block everyone off, out. And I had to like ask myself, so whose voice is most important at this point? And I knew it was the group that I had attended. And I made a decision. I asked them, can I come? I want to personally apologize to them. And they said, okay, you can come on, on was it a Thursday? Okay, you can come on a Thursday. And I flew there. Um, friends were like asking me, do you want us to come along? And I said, no. I think I want to do this on my own. And I remember I was um, I was um, standing outside the mayor's office and I, they made me wait like probably like wow. an hour because they were discussing. And so, which made it worse, right? Because you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I started thinking really, and I, I really felt that was the end of Filipina. I felt, I felt, oh, wow. oh gosh like really just like that all the hard work that i've spent the last 11 years uh at that point it was 10 years will will just go down the drain like really but you know as i said about acceptance i think i just said well what can you do if that's how it is then so be it wow. um a year prior to that, I went through a very personal process when I'm, I'm shy. I'm basically shy. I have lots of stories to tell, but I'm quite, I stay away from, I stay away from like the spotlight, I, from the limelight. Like I really love working behind the scenes. But there was a, I was being asked to be on the cover of a magazine. It was a town and country here in the Philippines. said, it took me when the editor asked, my friend Yvette, the editor asked me to do it. I was like, it was December 25. We had like Christmas March and she asked me to be on the cover. And I was like, oh, what? Can I, can I pray about it? Can I think about it? it? Took me, I think like six weeks to say yes, but Prior to her asking me, I went through this personal process when I started detaching myself from Filipina because it, I became synonymous to the brand and I really had to process it. And it was funny because I wasn't talking to people. I was doing it on my own, like during my quiet time. And I really like told myself, okay, if something happens and Filipina will we'll just have to stop how would you feel and i felt well filipina is not me i created okay. filipina so okay. you know it shouldn't it shouldn't it would i'd be sad but it doesn't make me less of a person and once i had come to terms with that and then when i was being asked to be on the cover i i felt i had to like look at that 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 thing and say okay it's an opportunity to to share the story of filipina then 
being on the cover was was in a different purpose altogether. There was a purpose why I was doing it. It's the same way um, when I did the Indigar interview. There's, you know, I'm sharing the story. Or when you, when Helena and you invited me mm. to share, and I, it's always there's a purpose why I'm doing it because you go through all these experiences in life and you're really supposed to share it to, to encourage other people because they might at some point in their lives, they might go through that. And I don't want them to, to, to not be able to find what I have found, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my faith really just plays a big part in my life. And so it's, it's really that like you're, you're really meant to share um, your experience because we it's 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 for a purpose why you're going through that it's not just for you you know to enrich your life or you know but it's really meant to encourage others well and that's a beautiful sentiment of being in service to others which is uh, i'm noticing a very big theme for you and how you conduct your life as we've talked about the artisans and being in service of them um it's it's really very touching lenora so thank you for for highlighting that um you've been cancer free now for seven years and yeah. it must feel like such a huge uh relief a new lease on life as is often said yes. um what do you think about in terms of the future for filipina and um your endeavors there where would you like to see it go what's your vision for it i i i get that question a lot and i i keep dreams close to my heart and and i as i said remember i i was like telling you about like when i start talking about it it really just adds pressure on my life okay but i i feel no numbers yeah, no numbers. Stay away from the numbers. I think, I think it's it's really um, the the how I've survived or not really not really survived, but that wouldn't be a good word to use. But how I really just looked at Filipina is as I've shared earlier. I I look at what's on my plate, and and really take it a day at a time. And I, I don't want to predict where Filipina will be um, five years from now, 10 years from now. There's one thing I want, though. I want it to outlive me. I don't, this has to go on beyond, beyond my lifetime. And I think that's what I'm trying to do. Just make it as, as, as interesting, you know, with a good foundation and, and that it will attract the right people into the team when when the time comes that i'm i'm gone i think that's the only thing that that i want for filipina the rest i really want the story to to reveal itself in its proper time because it brings me so much joy to look back and see that we are where we are now not realizing that we would be here you get what I mean? It's it's so much joy in 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 reading the, the story. Yes, in reading the story and going through it chapter by chapter, mm. just absorbing it and 
And for us, it's really taking care of the artisans, creating good designs, and taking care of the clients. Those are three major things in, in, with regards to um, Filipina. And, and it's, it's, been, it's been amazing. I mean, there have been difficult moments, but, but they're part of what makes your whole story much more meaningful when you have the hard part. The hard, the, the the difficult moments. I think it would be boring if it were all just like all happy. Yeah, I mean, what's so inspiring about that? That would that would actually cultivate envy if I just talked about all the good things. But when people know that you you know there were hard parts. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. There were times when I could I I wouldn't know where the next where I would find, get money for the next paycheck. And, you know, I mean, there have been a lot of difficult times, but, but you really take it a day at a time and let the story reveal in its own time. And I love that, the fact that it teaches me patience, you know, and that it's just, just take it a day at a time. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Absolutely. Well, and Lenore, I know you said that you keep dreams close to your heart, but um, for you personally, are there any dreams, objectives <laughs> that you'd like to share with us? Or are you just also allowing life to reveal itself? Well, it hasn't changed. I still want to get married. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, you know, um, I, I always thought that my life was going to be linear, um, you know, um, have good grades in school, go to college, get a job, meet a, meet a wonderful man, have kids, and live happily ever after. <laughs> um, but, but my life has, has been very crooked, and all these twists and turns, and and it has really taught me to be content. So if I end up not, first time I'm actually saying this, um, if at some point that I don't even get married, I, I still have a very full life. I mean, of course I'll be sad, but you, you, you can't go through life thinking of what you don't have. Right. You have to go through life thinking of what you do have. Yeah. Yeah. And I have all these people, the artisans, my family, my friends, all these experiences that have enriched my life. My, my design assistants are, have helped me and my people in the workshop. It's, you go through life making it not on your own. You really need a whole village, a whole community. <laughs> Um, to help you get you to where you, you're at. I, I, I'm baffled when, when, when people say, oh, he's a self-made millionaire. I'm like, huh? How can someone be self-made? True. People help, help him. Like the, the, the parents brought him up. Uh, you yeah. know, the sisters, the siblings. It's, I think it's, it's, again, it's really that looking beyond. I, I started, when we started chatting, it was really, 
I talked about looking beyond myself, and That's right. I think, I think, I think that continues even then. I mean, yeah, it's 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 that. And but you know what's one thing also great about not like for me like in the context of marriage, I still hope for it. So there's there's still that because I think if I take away hope, then gosh, I'll be so sad if I don't hope <laughs> it will happen. So I still hope that it could still happen. But, um, but you know, you take it, again, it's, I'd rather like just take it a day at a time and, and, and really um, let life, life story unfold. And you get to appreciate, it, you know, you, you get to appreciate each, um, each, uh, experience whether it's like an emotion or like each day it it when you're just focusing on the day everything gets magnified things that you experience within the day just gets magnified because they're not busy like looking at more it's just like oh wow i drank this really nice water and i just love water it's just so refreshing it's like oh i had dark chocolate today oh I'm so happy i'm going to have ginger beer tonight you know it's, it's all these things that yeah that up you know a, a, a greater joy and i think pain and joy they should both should not be wasted it's really like key elements in creating a beautiful story in your life no i completely agree with you and that it was so well said well i really do appreciate all that you have shared um it's a very inspiring story and i think it Thank will you. inspire many many people um, I just commend you all that you've overcome and, and accomplished and um, you're still young so uh, no, fingers are crossed I, for you. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not that young. <laughs> yeah. you, you look very young and you speak with a young person's heart. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I, that's true. <laughs> thank, you, thank you i you know one thing i just like one what when i had cancer i i think i think the overall story there was like i had to trust god and then six months ago i was diagnosed with belt's palsy and it was oh. a wake-up call because i i still can't control my left side um so much but it's it's much better now but i think it was really um, it was a wake-up call because I was really working too hard. You yeah. know, I, I, it was a blur. I would, I would fly back from Paris the following day, fly out to Korea, and then like do a fashion show. And it was, it was insane. I was, I felt, I felt, I felt I was using work as a way to like, whether it was to heal a broken heart or whether it was to, to you know, um, work became like your focus. Because yeah, you didn't want to deal with other things in your life. You just, it became, became like a bandage. So when I felt like God was telling me, okay, you know what, the bandages of you're like over it and, and, you're working too hard and it became like a habit. So it was hard for me to stop. And I think Belt's palsy was like a wake up call telling me, you know, you need to figure out what is enough. 
and the last six months, really, I've had to, especially during the lockdown, that was the big question in my head. It was really like asking myself, what is enough in terms of work? In terms of the growth of Filipina, like what is enough? And I thought, okay, for now, because of what's going on globally, this is enough. Let's not add any more artisans and just take care of what you have. And even with work, I realized it was enough to work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then 5 p.m., get up from your table. And I used to work like until 8 p.m. Mm, at wow. And get up and, you know, do something else. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, Spend time with your parents, spend time with family and, and, or read or like watch a movie, go out, you know, have, have a nice meal or just have Zoom cocktails with your friends. And, <laughs> right. and it was, it was, it was, again, I think pain always redirects me when I'm into something too deep. Pain is always like a way to, it's, it's like, diverting me to uh, another um, direction. And I, I feel Bell's policy has, has done that for me, that my life has become more balanced, you know, more balanced. And it's not just like all work. So um, yeah, yeah. What? it was, it was so good to just like, and I love, love that question. What, what is enough? Because once you've figured out what is enough, it's you really see that you have more than enough. Yeah, you have, true. you have so much. You have yeah, and it just like translates into all these different things. So I think that was one last thing that I wanted to share. Well, I'm really glad you did, and I'm sorry about the Ball's palsy diagnosis. It's um, okay. I thought I was have when I the day that I had it. I actually thought that I was having a stroke when they told me it's Bell's palsy. I'm like, I'll take Bell's palsy anytime over strokes. Wow. So again, it was a matter of like, it's a matter of perspective. So yeah, and but... in, the end, in the end, you know, it's, it's something external. Yeah. The, I'm the same inside. So no matter what happens externally for me, it does not change who I am. Who you are, yeah. Well, yeah, you've certainly shown that. I just, um, you've had so many challenges that uh, this is <laughs> yet another one to navigate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and I, I wish you luck in managing it. This has been yeah. a very inspiring conversation. Really, your uh, perspective and outlook on life is really extraordinary for all that you've been through. I really admire you, Lenora. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.